0: good morning, Rethink Church. Why don't you stand on your feet and join us for worship this morning? We're going to have a good time. Amen.
1: All sing together. Oh, come, all ye faithful.
2: ho oh,
0: Maybe seated church
3: and as you know this is the
0: avid season and the last couple Sundays we've been just sharing marvelous stories of people here at the church so we're going to continue that trend today um, so I want to invite Angela up to the stage as she shares you her story and I encourage you church to just tune in and hear what she has to say
4: So, as she's lighting the candle, sorry my voice is out, but um, I love hearing these stories and it's this moment of just seeing how God is moving and not just in one people's lives but in all of our lives and it's a great reminder, so thanks for sharing, Angela.
1: You're welcome. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus Christ, come. Before I begin my tales of what the Lord has done for me, I would like to give you two scriptures that the Lord revealed to me that I have used in the mountain and on the mountain and in the valley. Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything impossible for me? The second one is Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will hear you. Answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So I begin my tale. I have to tell you about 2022 before I go into 2023. In t- early 2022, I had a boss at my previous employer who thought he was Pharaoh of Exodus. He didn't care what the board said. He didn't care what his supervisor said, so you know he didn't care what we said because we was under him. And then my doctor told me, I needed another surgery. And I was like, Lord, and that's when the Lord helped me. What did I say? (laughs) And I said, you said, behold, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. There is nothing. Is there anything impossible? for me. That question not was for God. That question was for me. And I had to say, you're right. And then after the surgery, they're going to tell me to come back to work. Even my doctor thought they was crazy. Because he said, you cannot go back. So they said, in order for you not to go back and not be in violation of the policy, I had the doctor had to write a statement. So he wrote a statement. She not coming back for three weeks because he was sick of them. He was sick of them. So, and I'm like, Lord. So I had, I was at home for three weeks. Now this is all in 2022. And then I looked. I had enough time in those three weeks to just focus, to watch, and to pray. Because my prayer was about the nation. We, this nation It's going in the wrong direction. The Lord knows it's going in the wrong direction. But I had to go back what he said in Matthew 25. You go 24, you're going to have troubles in this world, but in me. So I had to take my focus from this nation and from my own problems and focus on him. And late 22, he started working. He delivered me from Pharaoh. He delivered me out of Egypt. So I, he gave me a new job at a new place. And then early 23, Pharaoh Jr. was fired. Oh. Pharaoh Jr. was fired. And then he continued to work. And he like, I'm working. And then in early 23, you, I saw just a little thing. But then I had to remember God is a God of order. He's not on my timetable. He's not on the nation's timetable. He's a God of order. And little by little, it's still a lot of work need to be done. But he's working. So I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to sleep and leave this with you because you don't need sleep. I need sleep. So I'm asking you and everybody here, let the Lord work. Get out of his way. Get out of his way. Because our arms are too short to box with God. Just get out of his way and say you win. And let him work. Don't be weighted down with the cares of this world, which is easy to do. All you got to do is turn on the TV or look at your own life. Even some of you today look and say, Lord, how much more can I bear? You was not meant to bear any of it. You was meant to cast it on him. And the word cast means to just, throw. So you throw him everything and say, Lord, your will be done. Not my will, but your will. So we, we can pray that prayer, Lord Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Trust me, I pray. Lord, if it's your will, whatever the cup you are drinking for, ask him to take it away from you but not by your will by his will and his will be done thank you
0: thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for stories like Angela's that is, that is being used, Lord, to encourage your church, to build your church, even, God. We thank you, Lord, for the stories that you've given us. They're testaments, Lord, of your faithfulness, of your goodness, and proof that you're with us, God. pray, Lord God, that you uh, open our hearts to receive the word that's been prepared for us. Help us to know you better, God. Help us to walk in your ways. Help us to seek your face. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, church, and give a little warm welcome to Roland. As he has some announcements, come on, give him him a warm welcome. There we go. Let's wake up. Let's go.
3: Thank you for making them give me a warm welcome. (laughs) I appreciate it. Welcome to Rethink Church. My name is Roland. I'm one of the leaders here, and uh, we're glad that you're here this morning. If you are visiting with us, if this is your first time, uh, we want to say thank you for checking us out. We have a gift for you out in the gift services area. Um, I have like eight coffee mugs in my cupboard from going to different churches and like getting the free coffee mug, you know. So if you're here for a free coffee mug, we got one for you. <laughs> we just want to say hi. Um, so we got that out in the guest services area for all you new people. Um, also, we, are, we have a gift for everyone here, uh, which is right now Media. We've been promoting this for a couple weeks. If you want to scan that QR code, uh, you can create a free account and it has a ton of resources men's bible studies women's bible studies youth uh, marriage spiritual growth uh, has tv shows that are christian based just a bunch of resources uh, that you can use to grow in your faith and your spiritual walk and free so scan that qr code and sign up for your account and on the 31st we are not having services so we will not be here on the 31st and um that is normally our Giving Sunday for our mission, where we uh, support Destiny Rescue, a mission that rescues children from sex slavery. So we've been able to rescue children from sex slavery and make a huge impact around the world. So. Uh, know that you play a role in that. We have uh, mission envelopes in the back. If you still want to give, even though we won't be here, you can get that mission envelope and give to Destiny Rescue, or you can go online to rethinkchurch.cc, click the mission tab, and give that way as well. Uh, we also have invite cards. We pass these out at Christmas of the Ville, but we have more invite cards. Uh, so you can. Who are who are three people in your life that may not be close to God, but they are close to you right? Proximity plays a big role in in our impact in other people's lives. So maybe there's three people in your life who don't know Christ, but if you invited them to church, especially uh, next week, that they would come, all right? So you can take these invite cards. It's an easy way to invite someone and give them this card as a reminder to come and check out church and what I believe church really looks like rethink is one of those churches where it's easy to invite people to rethink so (laughs) so do that Um, and lastly uh giving god multiplies what we give and rethink is a church that is giving and and we could see the fruit of what he has done here in rethink and in Maryville. so thank you so much for giving There are a couple different ways to give. You could give at the black box in the back by the door, uh, or you can go again online to RethinkChurch.cc and click the Give tab and give that way. And we appreciate your generosity because God has been multiplying what you guys give here at Rethink. So thank you so much for that. Uh, Let's pray before we get into Mark's message. Abba, Father, again, we love you. Uh, Thank you so much that uh, you could take whatever we give, God. whether it's one penny or a million dollars and multiply that. You could take one second or 30 years and multiply that, God. We thank you so much that you allow us to be part of your kingdom. Uh, Thank you for everyone here, God. I I pray that you you would let everyone here know that you're pursuing us. Regardless of uh, our sin, regardless of our past, regardless of our status, our economic status, our skin color, you are pursuing us, God. You love us unconditionally, and you you want us to repent and turn to you and live a life that honors you and glorifies you and bring people closer to you, God. I thank you so much for the opportunity we have in that. Uh, bless Mark this morning. Bless his voice. Uh, give him strength as he brings the message to us, God. Uh, thank you so much that we have a pastor who genuinely cares about the sheep that he shepherds, God. Uh, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Hey, good morning. Welcome to the church. My name is Mark. Sorry, my voice is like this. Fourth hour and fifth on Friday, it just went, and I was like, "Well, here's a video." <laughs> so, <laughs> and then my fifth hour I was like, I don't even know what to tell you. Uh, first play, you know what I mean? Like, so, and then Friday I had like a uh, pastors meeting after after school, so I had to drive, and in the whole time I'm just sitting there not talking, and they're like, "Are you mad?" And I was like, "Sure, we'll go with that." <laughs> like, <laughs> so. But I have no clue. So here we go. So we're going to be in Joshua chapter 5 today. Um, So as we've been going through the Advent season, we've been looking at a figure that shows up in Hebrew scriptures that we don't really talk about, but he's this person that keeps showing up and he ministers to people in unexpected ways. Uh, The week one we talked about Hagar, who was in this, like, she's an Egyptian slave girl and she just feels overseen, abused, and all this, and she flees her people or her masters. And this figure shows up and God ministers to her in the middle of the desert. And it's one of those things that, like, she wants to be seen and she wants to be seen by this person and, and, or this, this, this figure that we'll talk about. And he shows up in a way that doesn't hide anything. Like, he wants to be seen as well. And it's like, whoa, God actually wants to see us when we walk through that. And even in the middle of your chaos and your, and your darkest parts of life, God still wants to be seen. And he wants to show up for you. He doesn't avoid it, uh, and it's one of those things where you would just think, like, here's this mess that other people have created for Hagar, and yet God still shows up for her. Uh, last week we talked about Gideon and how Israel is in the wrong place, and Gideon is in the wrong place, and and God shows up in this place in this setting where nobody is ready, and they're all living like stupid and like as cowards and sinful. And God shows up there, and it's not, hey, get ready, and then I'll show up. He just shows up. And the same is true for our lives. Our lives, like we can always live in sin. We could always do this, and still God is still pursuing us, like we talked about earlier. God is still pursuing us in ways that is like we can't even fathom. And he shows up in mercies every day and all this. And, and it's never like, hey, get ready and then come. Right? Like I grew up that you had to get ready, and then you go to church. Like, I thought I had to clean up my act up, and then I could do this. And God was like, no, that's not how this works. Today we're going to look at Joshua chapter 5. And let me just give us the context, the, back, the backdrop of this. Um, the angel of the Lord is this figure that we've been talking through. And messianic Jewish rabbis, Christian the- theologians, they've identified this figure. Now, Orthodox Christ- Jewish people do not identify this figure as this. It's just they, it's a mystery figure still because they don't know. We get to look back and say, oh, yeah, this, is, this makes total sense. That this is Jesus himself coming out of heaven in these segmented times, intermittent times, and arriving to, to minister to people when their deepest, darkest times that they needed. Does that make sense? And so these, are, these events are what we call Christophanies, and it's this unsought, intermittent, temporary, visible, and audible manifestations of God the Son in human form. Bless you. By which God communicated something to certain conscious humans uh, prior to the Christmas event. And here's the criteria this person will bear the name of the covenantal name Yahweh. This person will speak as Yahweh, possess the divine attributes of God, has divine authority, and receives worship or is honored through worship, through the humans. Any other angel that shows up cannot receive worship. So when this figure shows up and receives worship, That's the key, you're like, oh yeah, this cannot be just a normal angel. So, which by the way, my voice is bad enough that I'm drinking tea, that should give you a clear of like, this is not fun, and still tastes like dirt. (laughs) So, anyway. So, Joshua chapter 5, the setting of this. This is, Joshua's going to lead the second generation of the Israelites out uh, out of the wilderness, and into this conquest time where they're going to take over the promised land and all that. So God has led them, uh, and for 40 years, they've been not wandering in the desert because God is leading them, but they're not living in their destiny. For 40 years, God is trying to purge Egypt out of this nation and to to the point where an entire generation has to die off. And then when that last person dies off, they're like, now it's time to go. Does that make sense? Like, how patient is God? He's given, he's given people time and time again, and he's finally like, forget it. Now let's just move on. You know what I mean? And so they've, they've, they've been rescued and redeemed out of Egypt for 400 years. They were slaves there, and now God is going to lead them through the wilderness. It's supposed to be two years. It turns into 40 years. They're going to skirt Moab and Edom on these maps you'll see here, here in a little bit, um, and then Sihon, king of Heshbon, shows up in Numbers chapter 21, and they have this fight, and the, uh, the Amorites, they fight them, and Joshua leads the battle in this, and God delivers them a victory. They're just trying to pass through, and the king of the Amorites, the Heshbon, is like, nope, you're not coming through. And they're like, no, no, we just need to walk through, like literally just walk through here, and they're like, not doing it. So instead, they have this battle, and Israel wasn't really going to take anything from the land, but I guess when you win the battle, you get to take whatever you want, right? And so that's what they do. And so they go north up to Bashan, and this is where King of Og has this battle, and they have this decisive battle to kind of establish the borders there. Like, you're not coming into our territory. We'll stop here, but you're not not moving any further. And then they travel to the plains of Moab. The plains of Moab is where Moses is going to die. We don't necessarily know where, but he dies somewhere in there. He can see the promised land across the Jordan River. And it's a state, like, how brutal is Moses' life? He endures all of Israel, but because he makes a stupid decision where he strikes a rock instead of speaking to a rock, and then he assumes that he's almost on the equal playing ground as God, God's like, you yeah, are I'm going to the promised land. Our words matter even when we're mad, even when we're frustrated. I had to I had to teach my uh, my seniors about this react, the difference between reacting and responding, and how responses is like long like you're you're it's like a long fuse. Reaction is immediate, and how as a parent, I've reacted more than I responded, and it kind of freaks the boys out when I just sit there and quiet now, and they're like, mm, "What you doing?" And I'm like, trying to respond, because <laughs> if I say something, it's not great, right? Yeah. Parents, we know this, right? Like. But here's like I would just encourage you to figure out uh all of this now, the reason we're talking about this is because we get to look in the past and see where God has been faithful and see where God has like kind of corrected his, his even his main leaders his heroes has don't don't just get to do whatever they want to do, and so should we you know what I mean and so this is part of that pro- that that process so So it's in the plains of Moab where Moses gets to see uh, the promised land. And God's going to say, hey, this is how you're going to cross. Now, he doesn't give them like the step-by-step crossing. He says, hey, you're going to go 15 miles up north to this place called Adam, And you're going to cross the Jordan River. And this previous generation, they crossed the Red Sea. So they're like, okay, I guess this is going to happen. Rivers are smaller than Red Sea. So they're like, okay, but how's this going to happen? And it's not until the priests step into the water that the water stops. Now, this, like when they cross over the Jordan River on on dry ground, this sends buzzworthy type stuff all throughout the nation of Canaan area and all these different countries, and they're freaking out about it. So north of Jericho, there's this place called Gilgal. They're going to establish there, and they're kind of hanging out just trying to see, okay, how do we do this? Now, when we talk about Jericho, we don't necessarily grasp the importance of Jericho. Jericho is the first civilized in all of human history fortified city. At this point, Jericho's at this point of the event, Jericho's been established for 5,000 years. There's a history, there's a legacy. They've endured all these kinds of wars and they've never had to blink. They've never had to worry about it. Everybody else can around them can fight and go crazy, but Jericho's established. They have a wall, they have a spring that produces 1,200 gallons of water a, a minute in the middle of a desert. They're in a Mediterranean climate, so it's never going to be too hot. It's never going to be too cold. They're just kind of perfect. And it's also called the city of what? The city of palms. Because there's vegetation. There's palm trees. There's a spring that can vegetate, like produce everything. So all this chaos can go around them, and they're just like, cool, We'll sit here and hang out. So now all of a sudden, when the Israelites show up, they're like, oh, crap. So for the first time in decades or centuries, they bar the gates, and nobody goes in and nobody goes out. So this is where we pick up, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. It says this, that Joshua was by Jericho. He lifted his eyes, and he looked up, and behold, a man was standing there before him with a drawn sword. Joshua went up to him. Are you for us or for our enemies? Now what's Joshua doing here? He's doing recon. Last time he was in Jericho, he was with 11 other spies. One other guy named Caleb was like, yep, we could totally take this. The other 10 guys were like, nope, we're scared. We don't want to do this. And Joshua was like, screw this. I'm not leaving this on anybody else. God has told us to do this. I'm going to go lead this. I'm going to go do some recon. Right? Now, if you walked up to a guy with a drawn AR-15, would you walk up to him and start, start talking to him? Nope. I'd be like, peace out. See you later. You know what I mean? Like, but this is what happens. He sees his drawn sword. And he walks up to him. He's not freaking out about it, right? Part of what Joshua is understanding here is what we get to celebrate at Advent. The reason we went through the Advent season this year and started telling stories is because I want us to understand that as we move forward into this next year and whatever God has in for us for the season, don't look ahead. Ahead of us is, is chaos. It's unknown. The scriptures teach us this, that we should actually walk back into the future. They get the future's behind us. We're actually facing this way because God has been faithful to us, and He's going to direct us. He's going to tell us when to stop. He's going to tell us when to turn to the right, your left. How about that? You know what I mean? Like He's going to tell us, hey, don't do that. This is why we would celebrate Advent. This is part of this process. When you look to the future, it's we have no clue what's going to be there. When the ten spies, besides Caleb and Joshua, looked to the future, it was chaos. It was unknown. There's no way God could deliver them. But when you turn around and you face God and what he's already done in the past and you walk into the future that way, now you can do this. You've seen where God has been faithful. You've seen how God has shown up. You've seen how God will provide in ways that you have no clue how to provide. So when we do this, when God leads us into a next chapter, don't look ahead and get all paralyzed. Turn around. See where God has been faithful, even in other people's unfaithfulness and your unfaithfulness. Because let's face it, you've created some of this mess yourself. So have I. And we can tell the stories of all of our effort. And God is like, mm, how about to tell the story of how I've redeemed you? How I've rescued you from your own mess. And so as you walk into the future, walk backwards. Trust that He is going to be faithful and He's going to guide you. He's going to deliver you. And all of that. Um, so. Joshua has this recon. He goes up to the man of the drawn sword. Are you for us or against us? And what's he say? Neither. Great. Thanks a lot. Why are you here then? You know, like I would, I would, a lot of questions. Like I'm doing this thing because God, you've told us to do this through Moses and all this other stuff. Like we could have played, we could have placed anywhere in the desert and just said, oh, we'll establish here. But no, we're going into the promised land. And now you're telling us you're not even for us or even against our enemies. But once again, this is an example. You can do what God asks you to do without choosing sides. Does God hate the Jericho people? No. Does God love the Israelite people more? No. But he's saying this is the plan and this is the purpose. There's somehow this mystery of God that he can create people and love people and yet still we don't have to choose sides when people choose to fight. Or We don't have to choose sides about who's going to win a football game or anything like that. We can still just love the game, right? We don't celebrate mediocrity here either, so it's fine. So, but notice what the angel of the Lord says. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. This clears up nothing. Right? Like, thanks a lot. Great. Why do you have a drawn sword again? And so, here is, here's this whole process, and Joshua's trying to figure this out. Now, and we're going to put some pictures up of the the site of Jericho. This is the ancient city of site. This is the archaeological dig that's still going on. It's active, um, and all this other stuff. And so you can see the size of this for the ancient world. This is a massive city. This is a huge, like layer upon layer upon layer city. So, like I said, it's a hugely important city. So. Um, Jericho's on lockdown because Israel is now coming around and they're starting to get a reputation. In the ancient world, the deities were tied to the physical ground, not to the people. So when you left the, the actual physical ground, you would take a, a plot of ground, you would take some soil with you, and you would stand on that to worship that deity. So 2 Kings chapter 5, this guy named Nahum comes from Aram, which is modern-day Syria goes to the prophet. He gets healed from leprosy. And he's like, hey, can I take two cartfuls of soil so that when I go back to Aram, to modern-day Syria, I can worship Yahweh there. And Elisha's like, yeah, go ahead and do that. That's fine. Right? All because of this idea. So when, when the nations around the Canaanite area hear that Yahweh is destroying Egypt on Egypt's homeland they're like, how do you, how do you, the power and the authority do that? Unless you're the god of gods, the highest of all gods. When he shows up and he has the Amorites and the Bashan victories and all that, how are they doing this on the ground of these gods? Well, because he's powerful, right? So now, holy cow, here's this group of people that their god's going to fight these battles for them on our territory, and we can't stand the chance. So all of a sudden, now they're starting to freak out and all that. So um, when the angel of the Lord says, I'm the commander of the Lord's army, it's the only place in scriptures that a figure self-identifies as the commander. Daniel and other places will identify, like, oh, here is the commander of the army and stuff like that, but here's this person showing up in real time in a real conversation to say, I am the commander of the Lord's army. When, when God wants something done, he usually shows up and talks to us directly. And yes, we should probably decipher through, was that the Taco Bell? Was that really God? Was like all that other stuff? And like, once again, we, when we want to n- know this, we have to look at what he's already said. He's never going like, to go against them to do the heresy level and stuff like that. He'll, he may do something that stretches your faith, that stretches your understanding, but he's not going to contradict himself in a sense about his attributes and stuff like that. So then we get into verse 15, and where God is going to, the angel of the Lord is going to say, hey, remove your sandals. Why does he have them do this? Because the place you're standing on is holy ground. Can an angel of the Lord make somewhere holy? No. Only God himself can make a place holy. Now, I don't know what his deal is about sandals. Who knows? Like, this is not the first time we've seen this, is it? Moses, right? So now all of a sudden it's like, okay, what's going on here? Um, and I'm not, I need to dive into it. Uh, about why the sandals, I'll just be honest with you, because I was like, okay, what's, what's actually going on here in this? Um, and he says this in verse 2 of chapter 6, I've delivered, not God will deliver, but I have delivered. He's now speaking as God um, and stuff like that. And the only person who can make someone holy or some, someone holy is God himself. And so as Joshua is walking into the future, the angel of the Lord is doing something amazing here. He's connecting something to a previous story. This is what we call the stringing of pearls, in Jesus' day. This is what they called the rabbis would call it stringing of pearls. For us, we just get to say, "Oh yeah," link back to this event previously. Joshua was with Moses as his right hand man for forty years. He saw everything that Moses went through, in the last chapters of his life. So let's recap Moses' story really quickly. Moses is an Israelite born in Egypt, and he puts in a little basket. His mom throws him down the river because she wants to protect him. It's a whole story. Read the Exodus chapter 1 and go from there. Don't be like, oh, that's a man in it. No, it's not. So there's a miracle that takes place. So Moses is raised as an Israelite, but in Egyptian uh, royalty for 40 years. And so he's in, royalty, is in Egyptian royalty, and all of a sudden he starts to realize the injustice of his people. And so he kills an Egyptian slave master. Word gets out. He flees. He goes to Midian. He's 40 years old. He's doing a shepherd job, which a 12-year-old could do. Talk about humbling. Going from royalty to a preteen's job. And he's now in the desert. He's wandering around. Now, vegetation and bushes would catch on fire all the time. They still do in the desert. The thing that caught his attention, though, was that the bush kept burning. It didn't burn up. I don't know how long he stared at it. I mean, think about it. Like, hours? Imagine, like, telling this story to his father-in-law. Hey, what were you doing all day? Staring at a burning bush. How long did it take? long time. And then I walked up to the burning bush, and the bush itself started talking. Yeah, you were chirping on something, right? Like, that, we would all say that. But Moses, he has this conversation, and, the, and it's the voice of the angel of the Lord. And then it says later on in the, in the story of this account that the, the, the angel of the Lord stood next to the bush and had a conversation with Moses. And he says, Take your feet, take your sandals off for where you're standing on this holy ground. And then he sends him into, into Egypt, back to Egypt, to, to rescue the Israelites. And it's in that time where God starts to dismantle the pantheon of gods and goddesses to the Egyptians. Every plague that you see is an attack to, directly to one of their deities. And he's dismantling everything to the point where Pharaoh was seen as the actual deity. Of like this person represented on on earth and stuff like that, and so he just destroys all of this, and then God leads this rescue moment out of out of there. He's eighty years old, and now in the eighty year olds to one hundred and twenty year old segment, that's where Joshua re- really s- sings out and watches him. It's during this time that that Joshua gets to watch Moses just kind of have this exodus plan, and it's hold on, not yet tom sorry um it's it's during this time where where he gets to see, oh, yeah, there's this whole rescue plan. There's this whole redemption plan. There's this whole, like, I'm going to come all around you and just kind of take care of you type plan. And it's all of this, this stuff. Um, and so as Joshua's watching this play out, he's starting to see some things take place. He's starting to see, like, oh, yeah, when er- the whole nation would just come to Moses and have all their complaints. Like, we don't even do this in our country, thank God, Right. Like Imagine going to the president with all of your complaints and expecting him to rule and to govern and to make decisions that are fair and just. So Joshua stood there with Moses during that time. And when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, Joshua went halfway. He didn't stay down with the Israelites. So he got to see and hear some of the more lightning and the thunder and all this. He got to see all this. It was Joshua who would lead the, the armies into battle and stuff like that. Now, when we talk about going into battle, think about this. The Israelites have been slaves for 400 years. They're not trained military. So they're really relying on God, right? They're not relying on their strength, their weaponry and all that, and to go into there. And so Joshua is sitting here connecting all this. And when the angel of the Lord shows up in Joshua chapter 5, he's making all these connections to, to link this back in. Joshua's going to do the most important strategic event in his life. What do you have coming up? Is there anything that's super important? Tons of pressure. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I can handle this. Don't look to the future. Look to the past. See how God has already walked you through these things. He's been faithful. He will be faithful. He is a faithful God in all of that. And so uh, Joshua knows this story. And this angel of the Lord has been doing this. Now, what, Jer- what Joshua is going to lead is an exodus of the exodus. The Exodus story is like God's redeeming and rescuing out of Egypt. And Joshua's re- Exodus is out of the wilderness and into their destiny. And for you and I, I, I think that we're going into our destiny. And some of you need to go through the purging process like what the Israelites did. Where you've been rescued and redeemed, but now, all of a sudden, now we need to go through the maturing process where like, God, here are all my habits. Are these God, godly habits? Are these Christ-like? And can you burn this up in me? Can you can you literally purify my life of all these things? As we give those things to God, he will show up and be faithful. Because he's faithful and just and he will forgive you no matter what the sin is. Don't try to hide it from God. He already knows it. You know that one sin, God? Yeah, let's talk about it. And he's like, mm. and you're like, no, I don't want to talk about it. Well, unless you name it, we're not gonna talk about it, right? We love to like skirt around and give a big, like, churchy words like, I gave into temptation. Oh, you clicked on a website you shouldn't have, right? We, we, we love to just church things up and be like, I have anger issues. No, you're a self-centered jerk. Right? That all of a sudden, your plan got messed up. and like we, like we when, when I was younger, when I was working out, the boys came down to the basement. It was not a great time. By the way, the kids are having an amazing time. I'm really sorry. <laughs> like, I had a snowball fight with them earlier before church. It was great, and then I was like, maybe we should just cancel this church and go in there, but I feel like Heather would be mad at me. So, oh, what the angel of the Lord is doing here is he's making these statements and he's connecting them to this. And I just want to give you the big picture of how Joshua's story is connected to Moses' uh, story. First of all, they both have an Exodus plan. This is where you, yep, there we go. So in this Exodus plan, what we see here is that Moses' exodus from Egypt, Joshua's exodus from the ne- into the de- desert generation into their destiny. The second thing is it's an impossible task. When we look at this, there's no way that Moses should have like, led the, the nation of Israel out of Pharaoh, out of Egypt and Pharaoh. Most important empire in the western part of the world. How in the world does a group of slaves revolt against that? Right? Here's Joshua leading into the most important city of the area. Jericho is the gateway into the promised land. Without taking care of Jericho, they don't really ever have the the promised land. There's no way that Joshua and this group of people should actually win this battle. Especially the way that they do it. Keep reading. It's like a lot of walking. That's all they did. And shouts and blasts of trumpets. What the crap, God? Come up with something else. You know what I mean? Like, can we have bombs coming down the sky? Can we have fire? Like, no. It's just this, like, hey, walk around. Great. Thanks a lot, God. Right? So that's how these things are playing out, these impossible tasks. Here's the next con- connection. They're both scared, terrified of this mission. Moses is scared so much that he complains enough that God's like, fine. Like, he almost kills Moses and puts Aaron in place. Instead, he's like, okay, Aaron can speak, and you can just be the, like, You know, the trophy husband, in a sense. So he's like, just stand here and look good, right? And Aaron will speak for you. This is what he's done. Like, what in the world? And here's Joshua. If you read the very beginning of Joshua, four times in the first opening chapter, be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Why does God have to tell him that? Probably because he's scared and he's, like, freaking out. You know, he's probably peeing his his tunic. Like, what in the world? like... What are, like how in the world am I supposed to do this? If you don't have a mission that scares you, you're living your life too safe. Parenting could be that task. It should scare you. There should be moments you're like, "What the heck? That's awesome." <laughs> That's one of my favorite times. So, um, so here's like it's over and over again that Josh. And by the way, Joshua's never fought a battle against a fortified city. It's been in the deserts, it's been in the plains, it's been all these open, wide open spaces. He's, and he's going with bricklayers and slaves against the most advanced city in the area. Number two, or three, whatever this is, four, they've both crossed bodies of water. Moses led against the, sea, the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds, however your translation puts it. Um, and Joshua is going to lead into the, the Jordan River. Both in miraculous ways, crossing dry ground. And then, if you could keep reading, you see that there's a circumcision event. One one scholar that I read said it was a party. I'm pretty sure it wasn't a party. Um, there's times of recovery. There are times, and it's like Flint Flint nice. we We're Very specific. Joshua writes down, "Get Flint rocks and have a circumcision event." Like, come on, dude, right? So. Both of them have to take their, 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 their entire male process to get circumcised. Because they're all a part of the covenant, but they're not obeying the parts of the covenant. And before God blesses them, the entire generation, the entire nation has to get circumcised. And here's the deal. God loves you and I, but if we want his blessings, there's parts of the, our covenant that we need to love or we need to obey. And what is that part of the what's the what's the new covenant that Jesus left us with? This new covenant I give you: love one another. If we're not loving each other, God's not going to bless us. And the point of who our neighbor is and who we should be loving—the person you despise the most—if that's the whole point of the Good Samaritan story—it exposes their racism, it exposes their ideologies, it exposes everything about it. And the people that are asking Jesus the question can't even say the word Samaritan. When Jesus asked the question, who is the the neighbor to this person? The one who showed him mercy. They had to like gritted teeth. You know what I mean? That's how racist and arrogant they were. I'm sure none of us are dealing with any of that. And we like, oh yeah, we love everyone, right? Here's the next one, the Passover. Passover inaugurates both of these events of the exodus. The night that God rescues them and leads them out of Egypt, it's the Passover. And they celebrate the Passover there. And in Joshua chapter 6, I think it is, manna dries up. Manna stopped being produced. Because they eat the proceeds of the land, the produces of the land of of Canaan. So here's here's where we're going to end it today. If you've noticed here, there's something that's just like almost unwritten that we easily could have ignored. That when the angel of the Lord shows up, nobody freaks out. In contrast, just in the Christmas story that we talk about, Zachariah, when the angel shows up, he freaks out. He's gripped with fear. When Mary Gabriel shows up, she's terrified. And she, they have to say, like, don't be afraid. You know what I mean? Like, that's how they greet them. The shepherds, they're terrified. By the way, there's angels in the sky. Yeah, you're going to be freaking out. Right? They're, they're just gripped with fear whenever an angel of the Lord shows up. But when the angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon, he's like, oh yeah, let's have a conversation. Right? When Hagar shows up, they just like have this normal conversation. There's no reaction or anything like that. When Joshua sees the angel of the Lord with a drawn sword, he walks up to have a conversation with him. That's how natural he looks. Samson's parents, they like... Walk out like talking to a neighbor out of their tent. Hagar sees him talking with him. When Abraham sees him in Genesis, he comes running out of his tent. He's like, hey, do you need any food or drink? He's very natural. It's very greeting towards him. Balaam in Numbers chapter 22, when he finally sees him, when a donkey starts talking to him, he's like, oh, something's going on here, right? And he turns around and he sees the angel of the Lord. He's like, oh, I didn't even see you here. That's how natural it is for them. The angel of the Lord. Is natural? And sometimes when the supernatural shows up, it seems so natural. And I don't know where you're at this season, but the supernatural, God himself, is showing up. And if we're, so, if we're looking for something big and grand and like huge, you're going to miss it. How easy would it be to overlook when Jesus shows up like a baby? How easy would it be to show up and be like, I wonder where the kingdom of heaven is. And the kingdom of heaven is going to be like a mustard seed. Something small, seemingly insignificant. We're made in his image. There's there's a reason when Jesus shows up, we don't necessarily freak out. Because when he turns off his divine entity or whatever and he shows up to us, it just seems so natural. seems so like, yeah, that's how it should be. Right? So, I don't know about you, but when I held our boys for the first time, I knew God's power. And it was one of those moments, I remember holding both of them going, I really hope I don't screw this up. And sorry that I did screw up parts, but like, you're alive. You know what I mean? Like, and that's a miracle in itself. I remember this summer, I was working out at the, at the Y, and we worked out outside, and we watched the sunrise. And there's uh, a person, his name's Aaron. We stopped, and we both just watched the sunrise. In the middle of our workout, and we're like, "Huh, God's really showing up in beautiful ways." And it wasn't like one of those pink and all, like, all the other colors sunrise. It was just a sunrise that kind of caught our attention. And I remember watching, going, "Man, God really is a beautiful God." And He ministered in those moments to me. And then we got back to like the workout. Right last Saturday, I was going to get uh, something, pick up something, and I was listening to the new Blink One Eighty Two album. Which don't read, don't listen to it with kids, but like listen to it. Right, if you're in that music, so. There's a song, One More Time, in there, and it, like, it wrecked me, and it wasn't on the way home that it wrecked me. It, like, wrecked me on the way to go pick something up, so I'm, like, walking in, like, crying, like, okay, shut up, like, I'm fine, like, you know what I mean, like, and then I remember, like, getting the thing, getting back in the car, and God really just met me in that moment, and it was, like, man, like, if we don't slow down, if we don't just pay attention. God, will show up consistently after time, after time, after time, and we could easily miss him. How many people missed the arrival of Jesus 2,000-plus years ago? Because they're expecting something grand and huge. God may show up in small, small little ways over and over again. I'm, I, one of my favorite ways that God shows up here at church is in our uh, kids' ministry, um, where I get to hear, just if you just listen to the kids talk, It's beautiful. They encourage each other, like, "Oh, you're my friend," and like, like they encourage them to do the right thing, and it's just a beautiful representation of what church really should be. Yeah, you should wear pajamas and have fun, right? At times, and you should make a mess of places and then pick it up. I love what they do back there, and and by the way, we will stand on this time and time again. This is kids' ministry; it's not babysitting. If you expect us not to minister to your kids. I don't know what to tell you. We're going to all the time. We're going to teach them the ways that Jesus loves them, that God created them, and that Jesus wants to be their best friend throughout their whole time back there, right? In age-appropriate ways. I'm not sure where God is leading you this Advent season. He may be leading you into something new. He may be saying, hey, leave this job, go do a new one. He may be saying, hey, change the way you parent. It may change the way that you love each other as a, in a married couple. He may be saying, hey, there's a mission for you to go find something and do. Whatever it is, God will continually show up faithfully time and time again. And if you want to know what he's done and will do in the future, look what he's already done in the past and walk into the future backwards and continually seek what he has to do for you. And pay attention to the small details. He'll show up there too. Let's pray. God, thanks for this day. Thanks for who you are. Thanks for everything you've done for us. God, thanks for tea at times as well. God, I pray right now that you would just watch over us and be with us. And as we go into the future that is completely unknown, God, would you give us the ability to look at you and follow your leading. And God, for some of us who are sitting here and we're just wrestling through, what does love look like? What does mercy look like? What does grace look like? Would you remind us that you show up even when we're not ready? That you want to forgive us and you want to extend grace to us because you love us that much and that you are patient. We gotta pray that you just watch over us and as we follow your leading that you would just simply continually press into us and show us and remind us how faithful you've been. We love you, God. Continue. We pray this. Amen. Well, hey, if you need prayer for anything, we'd love to meet you back by the Gingerbread House. Uh, if you're new with us, stop at guest services. We'd love to give you a gift and connect with you and answer any questions. But let's go be the church. Have a good week. We'll see you next Sunday. Not at ten thirty though. At four o'clock.